Turn to your neighbor and ask them, why are you here? Why are you at Rehoboth? Amen. Amen. But I want you to, regardless of the answer, I want you to hold on to what brought you to Rehoboth, to the very place where God has made a room. Just as Pastor said, in fact, I'm so glad to be here. This is the first anniversary of Rehoboth. We were here last year. And just as Pastor said, if you made it to Rehoboth, it means that you are done struggling. It means that you are at a place where God has made room for you. And count it a blessing to have leaders. Bishop Kwame, God bless you. To take you to places where you will drink and drink and drink till you receive the fullness of God. To take you to places where you will find God for yourself. Hallelujah. Ministers, Pastor Kwame, I salute you. All the ministers in the house, I salute you. I salute my dear wife, Abigail. God bless you for your love and support for this ministry work. Hallelujah. Shall we bow down our heads? Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. Come down, come down, run. Many are dying, many are perishing, many are suffering. Come down, come down, run. Many are dying, many are suffering, many are rushing. Come down, come down, right now. Abba Father, I adore you. I honor you. I thank you for the life of Jesus, for sending him to become the light of this world. I thank you that the people that used to walk in darkness, you have allowed us to experience light. 
I commit this moment into your hand. Father, your children have traveled far and near to experience you. And because you have already made room, Father, may our lives never be the same. Come and speak to your church. I yield my tongue as an instrument of worship. That you, 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 you through me, bless your church this morning. And magnify your name, Father. Bless your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Shall we say amen? Amen. 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 Tonight, I was given uh, the assignment to speak on the subject, the fullness of grace revealed. Hallelujah. The fullness of grace revealed. Or the revelation of the fullness of grace. And we'll read our scripture from John's Gospel, chapter number 1, verse 14 to 17. John 1, 14, all the way to 17. If you are there, say amen. amen. I read. I have the King James translation. And the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. I will skip to verse 16. And of his fullness have all we receive. And grace for grace. Some translations say grace upon grace. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. Shall we say amen? amen? God has dealt with the human race in various ways and in various times. And each of God's dealing with human race, theologians call it dispensation. Hallelujah. While there are many dispensations, there are three dispensations that are generally recognized. We have the dispensation of the patriarch. Now, during this dispensation, or during this time period, God dealt with the fathers, or the heads of the families directly. And during those times, individuals related to God directly. There were no priests. Then came the dispensation of the law. During this dispensation, God gave his law to the children of Israel. This law was not for the other nations. 
It was for the children of Israel. And so they had a priest, and they had a temple, and they were doing religion, and they were serving God. Then after that came the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. Where the gospel was preached to the entire world, regardless of race or nationality. Hallelujah. And so, thanks be to God, you and I are in the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. As a reminder again, my topic is the fullness of grace revealed or the revelation of the fullness of grace. According to the scripture that we read, John chapter 1 verse 14, said that, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say after me, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness, or of his completeness, wholeness. When you talk about fullness, you're talking about wholeness. You're not dealing with halves. You're not dealing with parts. John says that, and of his fullness, have all we receive. What have we received? Grace upon grace. Verse 17, say that for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now you may say, what do you mean that we are in the disposition of grace? Or when the Bible says that grace and truth came by Jesus, what is, what is the Bible saying? Does it mean that the people of old did not experience grace. In fact, the people of old received grace. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible is full of stories or periods where individuals experience grace. When you read Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that the whole world was full of sin. In fact, at that, at that, at that time, every inclination of man was evil towards God. And God was grieved, who was deeply grieved that he made man. And God said that I will wipe man off the face of the earth. But in the midst of that, Genesis chapter 6 verse 8, the Bible says that, but Noah found grace with God. So when the Bible says that grace and truth came by Jesus, it doesn't mean that until the time of Jesus there was no grace. There are other times too that the enablement that comes with grace the people of old also received that grace. Hallelujah. Now, what is the difference? The difference is that although the people of old received grace, they received it in part. Although they operated and functioned under the function or the enablement that comes with grace, they experienced that in part. But in our age, but during this dispensation of grace, grace came with fullness. Came through Jesus. And you and I, thank be to God, we are endowed, we are blessed to experience the grace of God in its fullness. 
Hallelujah. The saints of old experienced the power of grace or the power of the Holy Spirit, but in part. But you and I, we have it in full. Shall we say amen? amen. I want us to turn to the main scripture for this summit. The gospel according to Matthew chapter number 9. If you are there, say amen. amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 9, verse 17. Say, neither do men put new wine into old bottles, as the bottles break and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Hallelujah. Yeah. When you read uh, this, the same scripture, Matthew 9, when you read from verse 14 onwards, the Bible says that John's disciples came to Jesus and asked him a question. Their question was that, why is it that? We fast, and the Pharisees fast, but then your disciples do not fast. And in an answer to these questions, Jesus gave them three uh, statements, or I, I call it a parables. And in one of them is what we read. And Jesus says that, I'm paraphrasing it. Said that well, there is a new wine. Hallelujah. There is a new wine that requires new bottles. Hallelujah. Basically, what Jesus was saying is that my disciples don't have to fast because the fullness of grace is here. You and the Pharisees are still operating in part in what started in the old times. Hallelujah. But they are not fasting. Even though some time to come, they are going to fast. But at the moment, they are with the bridegroom. They are with the fullness of grace. They are, in fact, with grace himself. And so they don't have to fast. Hallelujah. We all know grace. That is an unmerited favor. from God to free moral agents. And this favor also comes with a divine enablement to do that which in your physical sense or in your natural sense you are unable to do. Hallelujah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how to play the drum. And so if I sit on it and I rock 
like Minister Hammond is able to do, then we can say that this guy is operating under grace. Hallelujah. He's operating with divine enablement, divine ability to do that which he or she was unable to do before. Hallelujah. In fact, this grace is manifested in so many ways. But in an area where I wanted to focus mainly tonight, it's an area of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'll read um, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Zechariah 12, verse 10. He said, And I'll pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mount for me. As one man for his only son, and shall be in bitterness of him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Hallelujah. Again, the spirit of grace or the fullness of grace is manifesting in our life through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And this is what Jesus. Or part of it is what he meant when he said that there is a new wine that requires new bottle. If time permits, I will, I, will, I will talk about that uh, later during my message. And so a big question comes. That Jesus, being the whole embodiment of grace, now that he is no longer Working physically with us is the fullness of grace still operating in our midst. Do we still have the fullness of grace at work in us? Hallelujah. And the answer is yes. Why? Because this grace that came, it did not come in part, like I said. This grace is still functioning in our life. Because this grace prevail. Hallelujah. When you say something prevail, it means that it, is, it has been able to withstand every opposition and every, every battle that came its way and has survived things. Hallelujah. And so tonight, great is at work in our midst. Even though Jesus is no longer on earth, even though he is gone, he did not leave us alone. He promised his disciples that I will go, but I will not leave you like orphans. My father will send you the counselor. When you read John 14, the counselor, the spirit of truth, he will dwell with you forever. And when he comes, when you read John chapter 16, talks, verse 12 going, talks about the ministry of this Holy Spirit or the, the enablement that comes when the spirit of grace come on us. Hallelujah. 
He talks about five, five, five ministries. Say that he, he will guide you. He, will, he, 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 he said that he, 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 will, he will show you things to come. In fact, in the, he will show you things to come, which means that he will, he will be a revelator. He, he, he will, Jesus said that all things that belong to the Father has been given unto me. And now when the Spirit comes or the Spirit of grace comes, he will take that which is mine and give it unto you. Hallelujah. So this grace is still at work in our midst tonight. Hallelujah. This grace is still operating in us. And it's operating again, like I said, as the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. It's operating as a new wine. Hallelujah. It's operating as a new wine. And so the, the scripture that we read, uh, John, sorry, Matthew chapter number 9. I'll read the, the 17 again. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles. Hallelujah. And when you do that, when you put new wine into new bottles, then both are preserved. Hallelujah. There is something about wine that I, 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 I want to take my time here a little bit. Wine has the ability to change your mood. In fact, Medicare, wine is uh, called a uh, central nervous system depressant. It means that in greater quantities, it can affect your thinking and the way you act. And when people need something to overcome some things, they turn to wine. So when you read uh, Ephesians, when Paul was exalting the church of Ephesus about the proper way of Christian living, he says that Ephesians 5 verse 18, he said that, and do not be well, drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Why? Because when you drink wine, it influences you. If it's, if, if it's pain that you're going through, that you're trying to take it away with wine, there is a better option to take the new wine, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul said that word, take the new wine, or be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yes. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you read us also, chapter 2, verse 13. After they receive the promise of this new wine, after the apostles receive the promise of the Holy Ghost, until this time, they were all gathered in a room. But after they receive the fullness of grace through the new wine, the Bible says that they all began to speak in tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance, Tonight, if you experience the fullness of grace, you will break out and people will see where you are. People will begin to experience you. Hallelujah. The citizens that were in the city, in Jerusalem at the time, when they came, they said, that, what is the meaning of this? They said, that, what, these people 
are what? Full of what? They are, they are drunk with what? New wine. To some degree, it was an insult to the disciples. But they were speaking divine truth. They were what? Under the influence of a new wine. Hallelujah. Say new wine. The Bible says that when Peter sensed the opportunity to minister to them, as believers, whenever opportunity comes for us to minister, take it. Peter sensed that these people were hungry. There's an opportunity here to minister. And the Bible says that Acts chapter 2, verse 11 going, say that and Peter stood up with the 11. And the Bible says that all the 11 were standing. In the beginning of Acts chapter 2, they were sitting. When the Spirit came upon them, they were sitting down. But that during this time, they were standing up. And the Bible said that all the 11 were standing up. And some literatures says that, in fact, the, 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 the 11 apostles, they were standing shoulder to shoulder. So if, you know, if, if Pastor were to be standing here, my arm would be on his shoulder. You know, so many times uh, when... when when, when I experienced the man of God speaking, and I, I would see uh, my spiritual father would stand up and be crapping, and I, I couldn't understand it until I came here. But they were all standing in agreement about the experience of the fullness of grace. And the Bible said that Peter stood up, being filled with a new one or the Holy Spirit, and he preached. And when you read Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, it says that, and the people were pierced in their hearts. And they cried unto Peter and the apostles, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Tonight the fullness of grace is at work in our heart. The fullness of grace came with so much enablement and abilities. I said few of them that when it came upon them they came out of their burden and they went out. When the fullness of grace came upon them they were re released into the apostolic mission. After they received the Spirit during their resurrection Sunday, when Jesus said, They receive you the Holy Spirit, Peter went back into fishing. But after this encounter on the Pentecost Sunday, nobody told them they never went back on the water again. Tonight, may you experience the fullness of grace. So that you will be released into your apostolic mission. So that you will be released into what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. Again, back to where, where I left off. They asked the Peter and the 12 apostles, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent. And now when, when you look at these people, that they are being told to repent. When you read Acts chapter 2. Verse 5, it says that, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men from all over the world. Now, repentance 
It's a strange word in the church today. In fact, when, when, when you mention repentance, we feel like, you know, it's belong to the drug dealers and the people on the streets. But it, for us also, before God can do any mighty things in our midst, there has to be repentance. In fact, before God will send his son, he sent forth John the Baptist to come and prepare the way. There had to be the fruit of repentance before the Messiah would come. Before, began, uh, before Jesus began his ministry, his first sermon in Mark's gospel, chapter number 1, verse 15, he said that repent and believe. Repentance first and believe. But today we have the church full of people who believe, but they have no repentance. And so Peter said that before the fullness of grace can operate in your life, you have to repent. And again, look at these people that are being told to repent. The Jews. Who knows scripture more than the Jews? They were pious people. In fact, when Jesus uh, was talking about um, grace and the law, he said that he compared the righteousness of the Jews to the righteousness that is, you know, in, in human standards, is way better. He said that unless your righteousness is better than the, those of the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God, which if you, if, that is if you, if you are seeking to be justified by the law. And so the Jews, they, they know scripture. According to Romans chapter 3, it says, what advantage has the Jews? Is that they have been filled with the oracles of God. The Jews were Christian. Not, not, let me take it back. Not Christian, but they, 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 they were knowledgeable in the things of God. And so these people are be, that, that are being told to repent, they are Jews who know so much about God. And also what? Devout men from all over the world. In fact, during those times, if anybody would go to Jerusalem, they are mostly there for religious reasons. Reasons. Just like people, uh, the, the Islam uh, people go to Mecca. People at the, those times go to Jerusalem to worship. We heard about what? The eunuch all the way from Ethiopia. That just traveled all the way from Ethiopia to go to Jerusalem to worship. And when you read so much, uh, even he, 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 he was not even allowed to enter the temple to worship, being a foreigner. But yet he went there toward worship. The point I'm making is that the people that were being told to repent, they were devout men, according to the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. They were Jews and devout men from all over the world. And so tonight, before the fullness of grace can operate in our life, before we can experience the fullness of grace, our first step is that we have to repent. What are we to repent from? Many of us have believed that God exists. But yet, we have given half of our heart to him. And we have kept back half. We do things as if that we don't even trust him. Repent. If you don't trust the Lord. Some of you even trust your doctors more than you trust God. 
In fact, you know, if, 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 if you're going to give uh, 50% of your uh, substance to God, or wh wh whatever you have, you, you cut it in half. Anything that you're giving to God, you cut it in half. And you give 50 to God. And you keep back the 50, the other half. Just in case that if it fails, you have something to fall on. Repent. Repent. Look in your heart. That even though you have changed your mind in some things, there are some things you have still not changed your mind. Are you still living to please yourself or you are living to please Jesus? Repent. Because the fullness of grace is here. Repent. If it's so hard for you to forgive others, repent. Some of us have a wrong sense of entitlement from God. We, 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 we have it in our mind. I don't know if it's from false doctrine. That when, when I, after I've done everything right, God is supposed to bless me. And so if he doesn't, then I am filled with bitterness. I am filled with anger. Some of you are here blaming God for things that are going on in your life. Repent. When you read Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3, see if I can read it clear. Because of time. But when you paraphrase it, the people fasted. And they said that, well, how come that we have fasted? But you have not heard us. And in, in your place, you can, you, you, you can put anything. It could be fasting or anything. To them, so long as they have fasted, they expected a return from God. That they have done something and so God is supposed to pay them back. But then when that happens, then should we still call that grace? When you do something and God reward, reward you for it. We define grace as an unmerited favor. And so some of you have done something. And you feel that God has not helped you. Or God let you down. And so you, you are filled with resentment and anger and bitterness toward God. Tonight God is asking you to repent. He is, he is a sovereign God. The Bible says that he, 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 everything that he did, he did it according to the counsel of his own will. In, that means that he could not be influenced. And so God, anything that he has done for you, it's true grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So the fullness of grace is here tonight. Has been revealed through Jesus. But until it can be full operational in our life, we have to repent. Hallelujah. Amen. Repent because the grace of God Functioning through the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Grace requires 
A whole new mindset. A whole new change man. You cannot fully experience this grace with an old mindset. And so Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, this fullness of grace is so precious that he warned them. He was worried about the fate of the new wine as well as the wine skin that will hold it. He said that if you put this new grace, this fullness of grace in the old wine, in the old wine skin, both will perish. And that is the call for repentance here. And so our old way of life, our old way of living must give way to new way of thinking. New belief in God. Hallelujah. Tonight, as we prepare to pray, I just want to, to know that the fullness of grace is here. And now, what, 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 what does this mean to us? Or what is the implication? The fullness of grace is here and so what? The fullness of grace is here because... So let me take it back with the, the fullness of the implication of the fullness of grace is that we are endowed with the ability. We are endowed with divine strength to do much more than the people of old. In fact, everything we are experiencing today, the people of old receive it, but they receive it in parts, in, in, in halves, in parts. Grace came in part. They experienced the Holy Spirit in part. But to us, we have received the fullness of grace. And so it means that we have the ability to do more, to accomplish more for God, and to do exploits in our midst. In Hebrews, I believe chapter number 12, he said that since we are surrounded with so great a crowd of witnesses, let us run. What are these witnesses? The theologians agree on the point that they are referring to the, 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 the saint of old. They did not have the fullness of grace that we have. Tonight, you know, I miss, we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That even when we do something wrong, we are convicted right away and we, and we, 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 we ask for forgiveness. I was reading um, 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and 12 when David sinned. David did not repent until. After the baby was born, that means like over, over 12 months when the prophet Nathan came. Because the fullness of grace was not fully known. The conviction that you will not receive right away wasn't there. 
And so the implication of the fullness of grace tonight is that you and I, we can do more than the people of old. Hallelujah. Tonight, the fullness of grace is here. And it's operating as a new wine. Under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And if you repent, this fullness will operate in your life. If you repent, you will enjoy the fullness of grace. If you repent, this influence that comes through the new one will operate freely in your life. And your life will not be the same. Theologians have some, what they call the law of first mention. That means that when, when, when we are looking for the, the proper definition of something, we, we look back in, 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 in the Bible and look at the first instant where it was used. And so when you read Genesis chapter 2, sorry, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, say that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, say that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, say that and the earth was without form and void. Some translations say that and the earth became void and formless. And, the, and darkness was surrounding. Let me, let me read that quick as I end. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And two. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Shall we say amen? amen? After I read this scripture, it's still bothering me a little bit. Some, some uh, theologian says that the word and, and the F was should be became. That means that the, the earth was not originally was like that was, was not void and formless, but it became that. But tonight I don't want to bother you with theology. Whether the earth was formless at the beginning of creation or it became, that is not. But my, my, my question is: how can something that the Lord made is void? How come something that the Lord made? Is without form. How come something that the Lord made has darkness around him? I thought he was all powerful. I thought he was excellent in all his ways. I thought he, 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 he does the impossible. 
I thought all his ways are perfect. How come something that always God made is void and form and has darkness surrounding it? I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know what is going on in your marriage. I don't know what is going on in your financial situation. I don't know what is going on in your Christian life. How come something that the Lord made is, is void? How come something that the Lord made has darkness around it? And this was able to go on until the Spirit of God moved. It said that, and the Spirit of God moved, and grace moved, and then right from there, things begin to straighten up. Tonight, the fullness of grace has appeared. Tonight, the fullness of grace is here. This weekend, God is going to do something great in our lives. And God wants you to prepare your heart and, 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 and repent so that the fullness of grace, which has been revealed through the love of Jesus and is now operating in our life, will be functional and be effective in your life. I, I, I struggle a little bit with this part of the sermon. I say, oh, you know, I just talk about the fullness of grace, and, but I don't know why the Holy Spirit led me to this part. But God wants us to prepare because be, be, before any great thing is done, there has to be a change of mind. There has to be a change of heart. There has to be a change of thinking. Jesus came all grace came and separated himself from the old ways. And so now that grace has been revealed unto us. Let us put out or put down our old ways. And change our minds. And transform our thinking. And open our minds. So that this new wine can be full operational, can be fully operational in our life. May God help us to experience the fullness of grace in its totality. Shall we say amen?